What's up, my plantiest plant people? It's Tuesday, the 18th of August in the year of 2020. Yes, that's right. The one that is trying to destroy us all. And we're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and ambitions and passions of some really cool plant and nature people and let you know what keeps them coming back for more. Y'all, we might as well slap four doors and a hatchback on today's episode because it's a crossover. You, you get it? Because doors and, and they have a hatchback and I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Anyway, more on that soon. A little bit of housekeeping first. First thing, I would like to once again solicit your reviews. If you could leave me a rating and review either on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts or CastBox or anywhere else that you can leave reviews, I would appreciate it. I just want to make sure that we are still heading in the right direction with this show, that everything is going like you want to hear and like you want it to be. And also it helps keep us up in the ratings and let more people discover the show and also learn that they are really cool plant people and that they also can nerd out about this stuff. Second, join us in the Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group. It's like all the fun. It's so much fun. You need to be a part of it. There's questions, there's answers, there's like so many memes about plants, so many memes. And I know you're going to love every minute of it. There are some really cool plant people in the Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group. Next, our Podners. Podner is, is podcast partner. I'm batting a thousand this morning, y'all. Um, first, Pecan Ridge at PecanRidge.com. If you need pecans, if you need barbecue sauce, if you like pie or pillows with grid work streets that represent Lubbock America on them, or all kinds of other fun gifts and locally made goodies, hit up PecanRidge.com. Whether you live in the Lubbock area or not, they have something that you will love. Use the promo code PLANTPEOPLE, all lowercase, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your order, and everyone will be happy, and there will be cheering in the streets. Second, check out local LBK, especially if you're in the Lubbock area or if you end up in the Lubbock area from time to time. Local LBK works with local businesses from movie theaters and clothing stores to restaurants and coffee shops uh, to provide you the best deals and for the price of $5 per month, the um, cost of one cup of coffee at Green Mermaid store, uh, you can be a member of local OBK, uh, 10% of every order, actually more than that, I think, it, I don't remember the percentage, more than 10% of every order goes back into local community building and goes back into business development, and you'll get a discount card that gives you cool discounts at all these places, and you will really plug into and support our community. The link for that is in the show notes. Uh, okay, now that all that's out of the way, did you have fun? I had fun. Um, next, we're going to talk about today's episode. And I mentioned it was a crossover. And today's crossover is with Devin Boker from the Wildlife Podcast. And uh, Devin and I spoke, uh, we've, we've become friends over the past few months on Twitter. And uh, y'all, and if, if I haven't said this before, follow all these podcasts on Twitter. Podcast Twitter is lit. 
Um, you can argue about worms. You can find all kinds of cool facts. There's jokes galore. You'll love it. Plug into podcast Twitter. But Devin and I have been friends a few months on social media, and uh, you know we really kind of hit it off. Uh, I, their show, The Wildlife, is great. It is um, so relevant to so many things going on in society today. But more than anything, they just talk about how cool nature is, from plants to animals and everything in between. Um, uh, Devin's show, The Wildlife, is just amazing, and they do a really thoughtful and thorough job of covering all those things. So I asked him if he would come be on the show and talk about some nonprofit work he's doing, talking about the show and his life as a high school science teacher in the year 2020. Just, 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 just dwell on that for a sec. Are you done? Have you dwelled enough? Okay, great. So uh, Devin came on. It's a really fun interview. We laugh a lot. We talk about everything from our four-year-old boys, and we both have a four-year-old boy, and what it's like to try to limit screen time to um, just the bigger questions of access to nature and access to education and all of the, the stuff wrapped up in that. It's a wonderful episode. It's a ton of fun, and I know you're going to love it. So tie up your shoes put on your longest tube socks and enjoy another wonderful super fun episode of the Planthropology Podcast with Devin Boker from The Wildlife. All right, well, we are up and running and I'm here with Devin Boker from The Wildlife Podcast. How's it going today? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm just I'm hanging in there, you know, uh, dealing with life as it comes through this whole ordeal. <laughs> yes, as best as um, as best as any of us can. I mean, that's that's really what it's all about at this point. Yeah, yeah. Just so managing, going with the flow. Yeah, and it's like it changes a couple of times a day, or you know, and mm-hmm. so you just yeah, you just have to deal with it. Yep, yep. But, I've gotten to the point where um, you know, largely, you know, I still I still stay really up to date on everything, but. You know, in terms of like my, my job and things, and it's kind of like, you know what, just tell me what the plan is. And if it changes, tell me what that plan is. And I'll just approach it with a positive attitude and go with the flow because that's about all you can do at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just do your best. What have, uh, uh, yeah. We'll get into the actual content here in a minute. But what have you and your family spent uh, quarantine and lockdown times doing? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's kind of funny because in a way, I don't feel like a whole lot has changed <laughs> because – that's just kind of how we live. I mean, we do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of stuff outside and um, that's not really all that restricted. So we're still doing a lot of hiking and still doing a lot of stuff outside. Um, if anything, I think, you know, we've, we've just done a lot more family, you know, meaningful time kind of stuff. Um, you know, we, we go on a walk every night for a couple miles and, uh, you know, getting, getting more chances to do fun stuff like a buried a treasure chest out in the yard for my son to go find. Oh, that's cool. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. uh, Lots of, um, as a parent, I'm sure you can relate, hopefully, um, uh, far too much screen time. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so we had a friend that, that posted something on Facebook a while back and was like, so are you, how are you limiting screen time? And I'm like, I'm not. I just, yeah. you know, we hope for the best and, and hope his <laughs> brain is not too mushy when we get on the other side of all this. Yeah, I kind of, I don't want to say gave up a while ago, <laughs> but it just got to a point where it's like, I'm not, I, I can't even keep track anymore. It's, it's all right. You know, we're, 
Okay. <laughs> Where we are dealing with this as it comes. Yeah, he. Uh, we at least try to keep um, the stuff that he watches. Like he has a, a little Kindle Fire that he watches shows on, and yeah, uh, we try to make sure it's more like PBS and nature and like you know yeah, educational. Yeah, yeah. But lately, he has gotten into. Like, so he's four and he doesn't play video games, but he found like some video game playthroughs. And so he just like watches Mario, like walks. So I'm laughing about this because this is the exact same situation I'm finding myself in with a four year old. (laughs) Um, Because we were doing a lot of like ABC mouse and like, you know, stuff that was, you know, more on the educational side. And, um, you know, we have a fire stick and you can like go on YouTube and search and stuff. And he stumbled upon. I don't even know how, but he ended up pulling up uh, uh, Yoshi Craft World, and he doesn't really play games. But and so he's just been obsessively watching like Luigi's Mansion, yeah, and Mario, yeah, like to the point where we actually ended up just buying a Switch. It's on the way, <laughs> so we can just introduce him to that because it's like driving us crazy just watching the walkthroughs. Oh my gosh! And it's like you can't even read the dialogue boxes. <laughs> And so, what are you getting from that? Oh, and that's the funniest thing because we're like, oh, sir, so you're watching your video about the game. And he just thinks they're movies, right? He just thinks yeah. they're – but he, like, talks in video game now. He's yeah. like, we'll be doing something. And he's like, oh, we unlocked another level. We're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Oh, that's funny. Okay, so I, I know I'm not alone in this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. We're, you know, I think as parents, it's like, yeah, we try to be as educational and, and stuff. And at some point, it's just like, okay, you know what? Have fun and give me five minutes to yeah. not be talked to. <laughs> like, I just need five minutes. Yeah. No, yeah. but it's it's oh, been, it has been an adventure for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's, I guess let's jump in, into you and your life and, and, uh, you know, you, you host this great podcast called the wildlife where y'all talk about, you know, everything from, um, trees and plants to all kinds of animals and, uh, you know, worms that make Twitter angry and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So how, what, tell me about your life first. Like, what what did you study? Where did you grow up? What what all? What got you into nature and science? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where where yeah, I, I to use a more southern term, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it, it took me a really long time to realize that like this was really the thing that I wanted to do. And when you look back, when I look back, it's just like, how did I not? realize because you know as a kid i remember um so i was born in ohio my family moved to texas there was a period where we moved to minnesota and then to kentucky and then back down to texas we were kind of all over the place um but i remember like as a kid in pasadena uh you know in my front yard trying i had a a neighbor friend across the street and he would come over and we would be pretending steve Irwin. Right. Or, or like the, the Krat brothers. Right. And we'd just be eating plants in my yard <laughs> just to like, you know, to see like, oh, oh, you know, what they taste like. And if we could survive on, them. fortunately, we never got crazy sick or anything, which is just astonishes me. Um, but like, that was just how we had fun. And, um, you know, I, my mom recently, they, they were moving and she sent me this giant bin cause she saves everything. I keep calling her a hoarder. Um, <laughs> but she's at least getting rid of it, I guess. Um, and like, I found this thing from like kindergarten where, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a scientist explorer because they discover animals and stuff. But yet at some point, you know, I, I wanted to be a pilot and then 
Um, I actually got really into culinary. Uh, one best teen chef in Houston. Whoa. Um, yeah, I was, I was in the competition for the art Institute. And then I kind of was just like, you know, I don't actually want to do this. And I dropped out. Wow. Uh, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. And then, um, started college in, for history education and then realized, oh, you know what, actually I really love the science part. So I went into science education then, uh, you know, like the, like the usual college student in their early phases, I ended up switching to biotech, then biomed. And then finally the really long major that I ended up sticking with was ecology field or ecology field biology with an emphasis in wildlife biology. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, growing up at, you know, my family was very outdoors. We did a lot of camping, you know, I, I, some of my earliest memories are me three, four years old, you know, up in front of my family doing the hiking and picking up frogs and, and that kind of stuff, you know, always just really curious, um, you know, doing things like putting a, a grasshopper in a jar with some ants to see what would happen, right. which is kind of sadistic, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, as far as, so, so yeah, I, I went through, I went through a wildlife biology program and, um, during that I, uh, did a lot of different stuff. I, I worked for the U S army Corps of engineers as a park ranger. Um, I worked, uh, I, I took a semester where I actually went back down to Texas and, uh, worked at Armand Bayou nature center as an outdoor educator. And, um, that experience was really what kind of set things on a new course for me, although I didn't realize it at the time. Hmm. Cause I was down there to intern at the um, wildlife center of Texas and I was working like two or three other jobs at the time and I was looking for something more field related. And so I went to Armand Bayou and I literally was like, what do you have? Do you have anything, you know, working in, you know, with, with seed gathering, you know, what can I do? And they're like, you know, we don't really have anything open there, but we do have something in outdoor education. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> and then I fell in love with it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, college went on, you know, we, my wife and I had a, had a little boy, um, graduated, uh, got a job with the Minnesota DNR as an interpretive naturalist and was just absolutely immersed in the whole thing. Um, but I was still looking for things that, you know, I felt like was the expectation, you know, something more in the field, something that wasn't like an educational position, but something doing research or conservation. Sure. And, I ended up doing wolf conservation work for like two and a half years, um, which was incredibly interesting. It, it was for a nonprofit. Um, and, and it, there was a lot in relate, you know, working with different federal and state governmental things and, and doing stuff with law and, and trying to get, you know, localized programs set up. And, um, it was a lot of things <laughs> and yeah. it taught me a lot. It's very interesting. Um, and it's something that I would, I would never change for anything. Um, but, but in terms of, um, you know, some, at some point towards the tail end there, I started going back to school to be a science teacher, um, realized, you know, really that education piece is the part that I was most passionate about. Even, even in the wolf stuff, it was the times that I got to teach the times that I got to go out and, and hold an educational meeting or something. That was the times where I really felt, you know, like I had a fire inside. Yeah. And um, um, the wildlife was kind of something in the background of all of this. So 2017, um, it was right after I graduated from college. I didn't have a job yet. I was waiting for my summer position to start. 
and I was home with my son who was very little and it's not like he talked or anything. <laughs> right. Um, right. yeah. And I was looking kind of for something to do and I was like, you know, I'm going to start a blog. So I started the wildlife.blog, um, started answering people's questions and just posting some interesting stuff. Um, then I got the idea of like, well, what if I did like a video series and I called up, uh, Dr. Tim Caro at UC Davis because I saw an article about, um, his research on why zebras have stripes and ended up doing a, um, an interview with him and I was trying to put it together, but the video file got corrupted. And so there was no video that was going to happen. Right. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? So I put it together in audio and I just uploaded that and was like, well, maybe this will work. And I started getting some feedback from friends and stuff that was like, you know, that that's actually pretty cool. And we're going to do anything with that. And it took a few months and eventually convinced, convincing my brother, um, <laughs> to join in. And, uh, it's just kind of exploded from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really enjoy y'all show. I like the, um, I like the tone of it. I feel like it's very, you know, it's, it, you do a great job of kind of treading this line of it being conversational, but also like really like, there's really a lot of content, like a lot of science and a lot of like stuff that you cover. And I've, I've said for a long time that you have to like, and I know how this sounds, but you almost have to trick people into learning, right? You like, yeah. you have to get them laughing and you have to get them having fun first and then you yeah. can slip in education, right? And just kind of yeah. to hide it in there. Yeah. See, and that's, that's definitely something I learned starting with outdoor education. Um, and I, I was able to bring into, cause I was like the ecology club president and stuff in college and we did educational programs and things. Um, but as a naturalist, you know, one of the things that's drilled into you constantly while you're trying to plan for your programs and things is your audience is not captive. It's not like a classroom where they have to be sitting there. They can walk away whenever they want to. Right. And so everything you do has to be about, you know, probing and finding connections and finding ways to keep people there, keep people listening, keep people engaged, relate it to their life. And, you know, that's kind of the approach I've just taken to teaching and it's the approach that I try to take to a podcast, although it's difficult because with a podcast, you don't necessarily, you can't probe. Right. That part's not there. You just right. have to try to do your best. But I think, you know, over time you do kind of start to learn your audience and you start to learn yeah. what, what works with people and what doesn't. And you can kind of drive the show that way. And I think y'all have done a great job with that. So I guess the question I was going to ask, and, and we'll kind of come back to the show a little bit um, here in sure. a minute, but I want to talk about your life as a high school teacher, <laughs> high sure. school science teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so two questions there. Um, the first, I guess, is like, how has your, and you kind of mentioned this just now, actually, how has your life as a um, kind of informal educator, which, you know, I have a similar background to you there coming from extension, um, or community educator, how has that like informed and molded the way you teach in the classroom? Yeah. Um, it kind of, kind of like I was saying in terms of, of realizing, I mean, so when you're dealing with high school students, I mean, you're dealing with an, a very odd demographic. <laughs> I love them to pieces, but they're weird. And, yeah. and, but part of what I mean by them being weird is they're in such an in-between because like, they to themselves are grown enough that they have a perspective and they have a world lens and they have dreams beyond school. 
Right. And they have things that they find that are far more important than school. And, you know, they're starting to get to the point where they're like, okay, high school is a waste of time. I'm done with this. You know, why can't I just move on and kind of checking out? Um, but they're also kids. Yeah. They're not adults yet. And so a lot of the things about being a kid still apply. And so it's just about figuring out, you know, the same, same that you would do with a naturals program, except the great thing is, is you get to keep doing it. It's not just for 20 minutes. It's every single day building relationships, figuring out what makes people tick, what motivates them, what they care about outside of school. And that's, that's really the biggest thing is everything that I teach, I'm trying to take, you know, something that's in the news, some kind of current event or some kind of external connection and, and bring it into what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's about just bringing in a larger concept. Um, you know, like I love using the wood wide web to introduce ecosystems and the interconnectivity of life and stuff, or, uh, um, you know, introducing evolution. The way that I've always done that is I borrow a, uh, Archaeopteryx fossil from the museum uh, replica, not the actual mm, sure, fossil. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, uh, simulating a dig. And so then it's this whole process of uncovering this thing and they don't know what it is. And I have them try to characterize it as either a bird or a reptile and they can't, it, it's two in between, right? which brings in this idea of transitional species and it kicks off the whole unit. Um, you know, blood type and cell stuff where I do a crime scene lab. It's, it's all that's awesome. Applicable to the real world in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So do you teach uh, biology, I guess? Um, yeah. So I teach, um, I actually teach biology, physics, physical science, and geometry. Which wow. Is kind of out of field. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot, man. Yeah. And, and so physics is, you know, same kind of approach. I, and what's funny is last year was my first year teaching physics and I started in the very traditional sense. Um, and I realized really quick, like that was not going to work. And so one day when they came into class, I was like, we're going outside. Um, we're going to move my car. And they're like, what? <laughs> uh, so I, I tied a rope around a tree, tied it to my, the back end of my car. And I was like, all right, move it. And they experimented pulling the rope in different ways and realized it wasn't budging. And they did a lateral push, um, kind of like you would on a bow and my car moved. And they were like, what, how is this working? <laughs> and, and, um, so very quickly started incorporating a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we did a whole final project on forces in motion and, and all that stuff by um, their project was being a team for NASA and designing a way to intercept or divert an asteroid from colliding with the earth. And so we looked into the dinosaur extinction and um, you know, how you would divert something in space and like all kinds of just really outlandish stuff. And they ended up de designing three solutions to if an asteroid was incoming, how we could, prevent, you know, an apocalypse. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Super cool. And I like that um you know, I think education's such a, a an interesting thing where our students today, you know, and I teach I teach college students, but I teach a lot of freshmen and so ultimately they're not that different than your high school students, right? No, they're no. they're coming in, they're 18 but they're still kids. Um yeah. Which is fine. I think that's good. I think that's that's yeah. where we need to be teaching. But like they can, you know, on their cell phones, really access all human knowledge, right? Like we have at our yep. fingertips the collection of 
millions of years of evolution and thousands of years of science and, and literature and everything. But what they can't learn from their cell phones is how to apply that to their lives. Yeah. And I think as educators, that's where we stand in the gap today as a yeah. modern educator. And yeah. so I, I love the thought of you taking these concepts and, and taking them outside and showing them nature and showing them like, oh, this is what affects this plant growing, or this is what affects the way that this animal feeds, or mm-hmm. let's push my car, you know, whatever. Like, I think that that's yeah. such a cool way to help them make those yeah. like long-term connections between information and application. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to say too, I mean, there, so to kind of relating to, to our current time and, and COVID and stuff. Yeah. Um, before schools ended up closing out, um, you know, at the, you know, back in March, I'm kind of, I'm in the same boat. I'm losing track of time. It just all runs honestly. together. <laughs> um, everything's crazy, but you know, thinking back to, to then, you know, it was when things were really heating up and we didn't really know what was going to happen. Things were changing, you know, by the second you yeah. know, and things are doing that now. But at that time it was like, you didn't know what was going to happen in the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and you were just kind of watching as like cases creeped closer and closer and closer and, and things like that. And, um, I made the decision, you know, I talked to my principal and stuff and I made the decision. I said, um, this is a really big deal. And I know that it's, that it's, it's all that's on their minds. Right now we're doing something on ecology and biology and we're doing something with electricity and physics. I don't feel like it's right. Can I put a pause on this for a week and figure out how to approach COVID and, and getting them prepared for how to handle this in in the real world, especially if we end up outside of school because they won't have us as constant support. And, um, I remembered so my wife is an English teacher and earlier in the year, she had a short story unit and she had done war of the worlds. Okay. And we had had this conversation about, um, you know, how, how applicable it is to a lot of things. And in her context, she had used it kind of as like a media and government and who you could trust kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in my context, I, I was like, you know, there's a few things with this because the premise of the story is a virus. It's an invader or there's an invader and then there's a virus that ends up wiping out the invader. There's this where you can't trust the media and the information is changing and people are dying and all these weird components. And plus there's these real world components where, um, you know, there's the story about back in the day, it causing panic in the streets when it played on the radio. Um, there's a story of when it played on a South American radio station and it actually caused deaths of people and a raiding of a town and the military, like really complicated stuff. And so, I brought that in and, and actually started teaching a, a collaborative lesson on War of the Worlds and truth and panic and mm-hmm. how to balance between panic and calmness and accepting reality and stuff and started to bring in lessons about like, here's a virus. This is how it spreads. This is what it does. Here's what the current numbers are saying. And, um, you know, by the end of it, I mean, just a week, I mean, they were more educated than 90% of people that I was seeing on social media, um, and just ready to go, you know, ready to, to handle it, ready to, you know, figure out, figure out the numbers, figure out what was going on, going home and communicating it to, to fam, you know, families and stuff. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. 
man, that's and that's such a a, a big task of um, especially right now of making sure that that your students are well equipped uh, to to handle life because I think ultimately that's what we do as educators is try to give our kids and our students the the tools they need to make it through life and whether that is through you know. Uh, knowledge about how uh you know ballistic motion works in your physics classes <laughs> to how to how to parse out all this information we hear on the internet about covid and you know yeah. uh, differentiate between information and misinformation that's uh yeah. that is a big yeah. and important task yeah in a way it's a lot of pressure yeah <laughs> uh, you know especially as a high school cuz it is very much you know even society they're kind of like well high schoolers can take care of themselves and it's like but they are still kids and like they're dealing, they're just really good at masking and acting big and tough and acting like they're an adult, but they're kids. And, and when you really think about that, the people you have in front of you are somebody's kid and, and while they might look big and tough inside, they're not so much, um, you know, and it, it, you really understand the impact and the seriousness of like making sure that they're ready. Um, yeah like ready to actually go out there and handle stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, yeah, it is a lot of pressure, but I think it's uh, important work that needs to be done and it takes a special kind of person to do it for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's, let's kind of transition back into sure. um, the wildlife and uh, the show itself, and then also some of the things that have spun off from that. I know you have just started this sure. nonprofit that you've got a variety of other uh, kind of efforts going through it. So, yeah. you know, how many episodes in are you into your show? Um, 50 something, oh, 60 man. something? Yeah, 60 something. It's kind of hard to say because we're where we've sometimes re-released different things but we've added some things to re-release so i right. think technically probably around like 65 or so okay yeah yeah gosh that's that's a lot because <laughs> i do my show yeah. i haven't really been very good at sticking to a schedule this comes out generally like every other week but then i keep like throwing in extra stuff and during mm-hmm. lockdown i released it every week just to have some extra content out there yeah um but Okay, so I've got a question, and and this is an aside a little bit. How did this Ryan Reynolds thing start? Because you always <laughs> talk about like we are this many episodes in without having Ryan Reynolds come on to you know discuss Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. Um, that started with my students. Okay. Um, there was one morning. It was before school, and some of the, my students were in my classroom early, and um, you know, catching up about the weekend and stuff. And uh, they were asking about the show because a lot of them listened to it, and. Um, one of them said something like, you know, you really got to get like a, a big celebrity on there. I'm like, well, we, you know, we focus on scientists really and stuff right. and there's celebrity scientists, but they're like, you know, you need, you need a celebrity because that'll really draw an attention. And I was like, well, who? <laughs> and they're like, Ryan Reynolds. Like, Why Ryan Reynolds? And like, cause he plays Deadpool. And I'm like, but how I have to figure out a way to connect that somehow. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't know. I mean, what other movies has he been in? And we just started going in a weird circle and it was like, um, well, he always jokes about Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman played Wolverine. Wolverines are real animals. And my students were like, please for us every week, will you start asking this? And I was like, you know what? I mean, if I don't, you're going to bug me about it incessantly. (laughs) So 
Sure. Yeah. Why not? And it's kind of funny. So let's just uh, let's just go for it and see if it ever happens. <laughs> Dude, I love that so much. That like is the the, the first time I heard it when I first because I I think I jumped into your show. I don't remember how far you were. You were pretty far. Actually, you know what? I do remember. It was the um, episode that you had with Ellen from just the zoo of us because I listened mm. to her show and I'd seen that she posted it, and that's kind of how I got connected with with what y'all yeah. are doing. And I went back and started listening to some of the back catalog, and I was like. How how did this? I mean, and but I love it. I I and now it's like somewhere in the back of my head. I'm like, how do I help them get Ryan Reynolds on the show? <laughs> um, and like, I'll tag him on Twitter as much as I can. But um, yeah, that would be the coolest thing ever. By the way, yeah, I, I've had some people say, well, why not Hugh Jackman then? You know, and I'm like, well, because he's not Ryan Reynolds, and that's not what my students asked for. Right. So sorry, Hugh, if you're interested. You know, great and all, but like. We're looking for Ryan. <laughs> Although, you know what? That, but he may be like a gateway celebrity, right? Not that, not yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackman's one of the biggest celebrities in the world, but <laughs> they compete constantly. So if you can yeah. get Hugh Jackman on the show and have him talk mm-hmm. crap about Ryan Reynolds, ah. I bet you could get Ryan Reynolds on there, yeah, there as a go. rebuttal. So this, this, <laughs> this plan's coming together. We'll get there. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. Um, yeah. okay. So as, as your, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question, right? Okay, as you're you're kind of building your show, what process do you use to pick topics and figure out what yeah. you're going to talk about? Oh gosh, so really early on, and I, if there's if there's anything in the world that gives me just the the most cringing reaction, it's going back and listening to our older episodes oh, man. because. Oh my God. And and I feel like we've come a really long way. I feel like we still have a long way that we could go. Um, but back in the day, it was like, literally I'd be on the phone. This is kind of how it started in the idea of, you know, having my brother on. Um, and I'm, I, I'm going to say Ricky, uh, go, he said, goes by Richard professionally, but I, I've always called him Ricky. He's your brother. And right. Really, every <laughs> single time I say Richard on the show, I have to like, think about it ahead of time. It's really hard for me to do. Um, we always have these really long phone conversations where like I'm telling him about something I learned in college or whatever. And he's asking all these questions. And, and that was when I was like, you know what, why don't you just do this with me? We could just do this and record it. And that's, that's how we could do it. And that's what we started with doing as I was like, Hey, Richard, have you ever heard of the Christmas Island crabs? And he's like, no, I haven't. And we just started talking about them. Um, and then it got to a point where like, so we would literally, we'd finish one and then I'd be like, all right, what do you want to talk about next time? And then that's how we did it. Very disorganized. We didn't even have a release schedule. Right. It was just kind of whenever we felt like it. Um, Then when we were like, you know, let's start getting more regular with this. um, We have a Google spreadsheet that has, based on a weekly schedule, three years worth of topics and concepts and questions that we want to do episodes on. And one of the things we always joke about is like there's 8.7 million species identified. Um, if you were to, you know, one week each, I mean, it would take like 67,000 years to <laughs> to really actually do that. So we're never going to run out of topics. Um, so it's kind of like we have this really long list and we look maybe at the calendar on if there's some kind of loop in, but really we just wait for the right person. Sure. So, um, you know, looking through social media, uh, a news article hits, we read a book and, and find somebody interesting. Um, social media is super, super helpful, especially Twitter. Now that we've been getting more into that. Um, but really it's kind of like, sometimes it's a question. 
sometimes it's a question my students had. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's something that my son said. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, it always, you know, it's just kind of what we feel like, you know, is just opportune at the moment, I guess. And, um, the way that it usually ends up working is that we, we find a person and then we go creeper mode and just comb <laughs> through their stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, publication history, their website, their Wikipedia, anytime they've been in an article and just find out everything we can about what they've worked on, um, you know, their perspective, how they interview and that kind of thing. Um, send off an email and say, hey, <laughs> want to be on the show? <laughs> yeah. And um, hopefully they reply and usually yes. And and actually, we haven't had anybody say no. That's cool. Which has been great in, in three years of doing this. And, um, um, you know, we... Then once, you know, once we've had to go ahead and we set a date, we, um, try to hone in on. So as a teacher, I'm really big on a lesson is guided by an essential question. Okay. So it's the question that you're hoping that they can answer by the end of the lesson. And usually in terms of high school, you're saying like, okay, there's three main concepts that you can cover before you lose them. So three main concepts in approaching that essential question. So what we do with every episode is we go. Here's our essential question, whether or not we say it on the show. And here are the three main things that we really want to truly deeply cover. Right. Um, and we have a Google slide template where we start putting in pictures, videos, interesting links, and that kind of thing. Um, develop a list of questions in uh, a general outline and send that out to the person we're going to talk to. Um, we talk to them. Um, then we literally sit next to each other uh, where I'm sitting right now and we listen to the interview and we type notes into that Google slide and go through the whole thing um, and, you know, maybe record some commentary as we're sitting there thinking about it and having ideas and questions. Sure. Uh, and then we go back and, and kind of storyboard it. So we move the slides around, um, which is why Google slides is just great for it. Oh yeah. Cause I don't have to have index cards. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I just slide everything around and go, okay, this is, more of a narrative this seems to flow better and, and feel more natural let's go for it like this and um you know record it and i do the editing and uh hopefully it works out but um one of the things that we're still kind of struggling with is so like figuring out and i think we f i think we figured it out because we're dealing with this right now with two episodes where we're producing um when he's not there for an interview and then we're doing the commentary later. Oh, yeah. Of if he's also doing the explaining or to approach it more of like he is the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not avatar, but like the, like the stand-in, the representative of the audience. Gotcha. And so the approach is I am, so I've had a conversation with a scientist about a concept or an animal or something. And so now I'm trying to relay that information to him. Gotcha. And he's asking questions that the audience might have. And then I'm responding to those. Um, so we're trying to think from the audience's perspective in doing that. Um, and then if we're both on the interview, then it's more conversational. Sure. Um, or if it's one where it's just a more conversational interview to begin with, and it doesn't really require a lot of explanation, then I'll just do the audio. And he, he sometimes chimes in, sometimes doesn't. Sure. Um, but we're still trying to figure out that dynamic and how we want that to, to work. But well, and that's, and that's, process. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a process. And it, what I think is cool is that, you know, you can go back and I, I, I'm the same way. Like I, 
I'm really proud of, I mean, like, I, I love all of my episodes, but like mm-hmm. going back and listening to some of them, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to ask a question or do this kind of conversation, yeah. even with like, I've had quite a bit of media experience, but it's such a different animal getting into this. And so just like tracking the evolution of a show uh, is, is really yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and it's one of those things too, and I'm sure that you feel this of, so when you do the interview. And then you go back and you listen to the interview. And so you're listening to the whole thing. You're listening to yourself. You're listening to them. Mm-hmm. You're listening to yourself ask these questions. And sometimes you're listening multiple times. And so by the time that you're like really getting to like editing, putting things together, I mean, you might've heard it and heard yourself like four or five yeah. times. Oh yeah. And it gets to a point where you're just like, I just don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> but you're also, you pick up on every little tiny error yes. or, or issue or thing. And, and then, so you're like, is, are people going to notice this? Well, they're only listening to it one time. Let's keep perspective. This is your eighth time listening, but still. And then, yeah, I get all in this like perfectionist wormhole oh, it's, when it comes to stuff. It's tough. And like for my show, it's, you know, very conversational, just like we're talking now. And so I don't yeah. do a whole lot of heavy, heavy editing. But every now and then, like I'll I still listen to it three or four times before it goes out. And I'll yeah. hear something I said. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, how? why would I say <laughs> that? Like and, yeah. and so it does kind of it does kind of it gets in your head after a while. But I think it's it's a lot of fun, though. Um, or I've had a lot of fun doing it anyway. And I get, you know, I've gotten to talk to you and some other really great, cool people and it just keeps it interesting. And it's just been one of the more fun things I've had in my life, you know, over the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'd say that's kind of as, as, you know, a selfish component, I guess. Um, that's something that I've really taken away from this whole experience has just been, um, life-changing in a lot of ways is because I'm, I'm really kind of addicted to learning. Yeah. Like if, if I was a vampire, um, I, and like I was immortal, maybe not even just a vampire. I, I think I would still be in college and yeah. I would just be getting another degree. It's just my favorite thing to do. And doing this, I get to talk to amazing people, learn constantly, always stay up to date. And it helps me, you know, as a high school teacher too, because then I can go back and, you know, maybe I was thinking of approaching, uh, you know, a certain concept like, you know, invasive species mm-hmm. with one thing. And now I'm like, holy cow, I could do a whole thing about jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, you know, yeah. And, and take that approach. Um, my wife, on the other hand, you know, probably doesn't appreciate when I, you know, when I finish up an interview and I am talking to her and I, I go off for 20 minutes about dung beetles. <laughs> but um, I do know, the same I, thing. I think it's yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of start to work towards the end of this uh, a little bit, uh, tell me about some of the um, nonprofit work you've started doing, because the wildlife has turned into so much more than just a uh, a blog and a podcast. You're yeah. reaching out into the community and doing all this stuff. So tell me about this thing that you've started. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of, um, it came from a few different things. And, and so like some of my work in college as an outdoor educator, and I, I also did some stuff where, you know, the term at, was at-risk youth, which is term I have feelings about. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, did some work with, with, you know, that population and, um, you know, and then as an outdoor educator, you know, there's very obvious discrepancies on who was there and who can afford it and who has access. And then, you know, looking in science, there's very obvious discrepancies on who's there and who has access and who's excluded. And, you know, being a college student, you know, I remember even myself where, 
you know, I, I would get an opportunity for an internship that could have absolutely changed my career. But the only thing offered was like, you get like 20 bucks a week for food <laughs> and that's about it. And yeah. You can put this on your resume, but you also have to pay for the credits for it to count towards graduation. And so it's like, well, hold up. I have to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I so, have to eat. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, I, that does that's not going to work. And so, you know, I, through a lot of personal experiences and just witnessing a lot of different things, I, it became really abundant to me um, that there was a really big gap in accessibility to to nature and to science. Mm -hmm. And um, when we started the wildlife, you know, one of the reasons was, um, you know, you not everybody can make it to a state park. Not everybody can make it somewhere for an interpretive program. Not everybody can make it to a museum. Not everybody has BBC to watch nature, nature documentaries. Right. Um, so doing something that's free for people to listen to, that's easy to understand, that brings the science to them, helps them see that it's real people behind it and you can do it too. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was really the goal. And we were at the time calling it the nature accessibility gap, kind of like the you know achievement gap. Um, but as we've done it, we've realized that there's a lot more going on there, um, especially in terms of just straight up racism. Sure. Uh, you know, and just like, I mean, there's no really other way to put it and no, no way around it. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of different things that kind of motivated the, the decision. Um, but I'll say, I mean, my brother and I have talked about for probably 10 years, even before the wildlife about eventually starting some kind of outdoor educational nonprofit venture, um, to get people into the outdoors. Um, and we just decided with, you know, some of the things that recent events, um, you know, take, take the thing with, uh, Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper, uh, you know, in, um, uh, central park in New York, mm -hmm. the, the whole burning incident and stuff that really just kind of motivate us to, you know, say, you know what, I mean, why not just do it? Like, why not just, you know, we've got a, we've got a platform, we've got a podcast, we have a website, we do community events already. We lead hikes educational programs let's just take it to the next step and so um you know really our goal i mean we so we started a few different things so one one fund that we are working on building up is a binoculars for young birders program oh cool um because binoculars are expensive field guides are expensive um and and that kind of stuff just you know if, if you're having an interest but you don't have access to any of that that can really keep you out so we're, we're working on raising it so that people can apply and we can not only purchase them for community programs, purchase them for schools, but individuals can apply and we can get them a, you know, a brand new set of binoculars and a field guide to kind of get them on their journey. Um, we're also working on a grant program for, and we're, we're going back and forth on the name here, but, uh, for, um, you know, if you are a college student who's having to take an unpaid internship, uh, we can help you. Um, if you need to attend a conference or need to present at a conference, but you have to pay to get, even get into it, we can help you. Um, if there is a training, I, I mean, I remember being in, in wildlife management class and getting a sheet three pages long about here's all the different trainings that would be really good for you to get on your resume. And when he totaled it up, it was like thousands of dollars. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> so, you know, our goal is, you know, if we can in any way interrupt the system that excludes people um we want to help and we we acknowledge that sure it would be easier if institutions you know let's say paid for an internship yeah um 
but that's a complicated route because then you look at the funding trails and things and it's, it's, it's not the institution's fault necessarily. It's more, you know, a larger societal issue yeah, in terms absolutely. of values and things. Absolutely. Um, so acknowledging like that there are other social changes that need to take place. We just want to do what we can in the role and capacity that we have to, to interrupt those systems of exclusion wherever and however we can whether it's free educational programs, funding that gets people outdoors, get some equipment to enjoy the outdoors, to study the outdoors, to help them further their education. Uh, we just want to be a part of that. Man, that's awesome. And that's such a great goal. And and again, like we we talked about a little bit that like, gosh, nature is nature is everywhere, right? And yeah. Yeah. but it's hard sometimes to learn to appreciate it if you don't have the opportunity to do so. So I like that right. you're I really love that y'all are working on um, kind of pulling down some of those barriers. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I think we mentioned earlier that we kind of stand in the gap for our students mm-hmm. uh, as educators. And that comes in a lot of forms. It's it's from the education itself. But it's also, uh, I think sometimes we have to bridge that gap in society where it, where it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're even doing things. I mean, used to, we did um, hikes at parks that were farther out. And we realized, you know what, if you can't get there. I mean, what is that really doing? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're literally doing things like we're doing downtown birding. So it's just, you walk through downtown and we're, you know, binoculars and we're just going to see what we can find. And yeah. the plants, you know, things popping up through the sidewalk and using INAT and, you know, doing things that are all around us, learning to appreciate it. And, you know, I will say, so like we put out our first episode um, of a mini series this uh, last week, and that's like the first of many. So, that was, um, that's something that's geared more towards high school and college age, but really anybody. Mm-hmm. But the, the goal is, is kind of like bypassing the textbook in some ways of, um, and, and how complicated that stuff can, can be and come across. So we're putting up educational resources, worksheets, you know, all that stuff for free yeah. with each of these episodes. Like we're, we're only starting with Phylum. Like we have a mini series on the books planned that we're working on already for mammalogy ornithology, um, uh, ichthyology. We have a general plant biology mini series. Yeah. I mean, we have a bunch of that kind of stuff in the works that eventually there's going to be a whole catalog of resources that, you know, if you can't afford, you know, the visual Atlas, if you can't afford, you know, the, the work textbook or something, you have a free set of resources that you can use. That's super cool. That is super cool. I, I love that. I love that. That it's just such a great mission, and I think uh, uh, it's true. And this is this is cliche, but it's true what they say that knowledge is power, and yeah. the the way to grant or exclude power is to manage knowledge. And yep. unfortunately, there's a lot of knowledge exclusion that has happened uh, yeah. in our history. And I I, I yeah. love that y'all are trying to go the other way with it and and give put put power back in the hands of learners. Um, regardless of their circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's things like, you know, as a teacher, even, you know, there's um, websites where teachers share resources, but a lot of them are like, all right, pay me five bucks for this worksheet that you can download. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I understand, but oh my gosh. I mean, at the same time, like, you know, a teacher who's looking for this kind of thing, clearly like they're, they're needing some help to connect with their students and to find something that works. And by making it something where they have to pay, and stuff you're you're keeping that opportunity not away from the teacher you're keeping that opportunity away from the kids yeah and and so that's really what it's about you know for for us you know it's not you know we we don't really care about 
you know, being popular or known as individuals or anything like that. And that's just not something we care about. In fact, we'd be really uncomfortable with for the most part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, we, you know, if we can just do something out there, you know, not for the furtherment of the wildlife, but for the furtherment of people, um, that's, that's, that's what we're really about. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so, uh, you know, you've listened to the show, you know, one of the last things I, uh, do on these episodes is ask my guests for a piece of advice. Um, yeah. and that can be field related. That can be life related. I, I don't care. So if mm-hmm. there was one thing that you wanted our listeners to, to take home with them today, what, what do you think that would be? Um, I, I'm going to say something that's somewhat general, but I feel like because it applies to a lot of different things. Sure. And it's, it's somewhat something that I've, I've been learning on a more of a personal journey. Um, I think that the way that we look at success and the way that we look at happiness in, in this country in particular is, um, something to be achieved. It's like, once I get this degree, you know, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have everything that I need. Uh, people will listen to me, respect me, respect my opinion, my opinion and things will somehow matter if I earn this title. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'll be happy when I finish this project. When I finish my dissertation, I'll finally be happy, uh, and that kind of thing. And and what I think a lot of people miss is that that happiness and that success is not an endpoint, because whenever you reach it, you only end up kicking the ball a little further down the field. Right. And you say, well, now <laughs> when I do this next thing, you know, I'll be more successful and more happy, and I'll have more money and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's about taking a step back and, and, you know, this is just a lesson to be learned, whether you're spending time in nature or with your family or, or in your career, um, slow down and, and realize that happiness and success is not a destination. It's a journey yeah. and it's a process and it's something in the now that, that you get to experience. And if you look at it as something to be earned, um, you'll, you'll never feel it. You have to look at it as something that you already have. And you just have to look at the small stuff, pay attention to what's around you. Um, That's you know, awesome. Really, really be present, folks. On the, uh, one of my favorite things to do in nature is pick like a three by three patch of grass, especially in a prairie, and just look and see what you know what all I can find and what all is going on in this thing that I would have normally just walked right past because I'm trying to get to the end of the trail. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm stopping and I'm just paying attention to what's right there in front of me, going on in that moment, and uh, the stuff that you find is just amazing. You know, little camouflage critters you never would have seen. And I, I think it's a good metaphor for just life. Yeah, yeah. man, that's, that's such, and I, and I'm thinking through that as, as you talk about it and gosh, that's so applicable in, in everything from, like you said, family life to academia and everything in between that, uh, we, you know, um, miss the forest for the trees or vice versa, you know, where we, yeah. we, we can just, we kind of miss out on a lot of the, the joy of life by always chasing that next thing. Yeah. And, and there's uh, nothing wrong with planning and having goals. I mean, that's all great stuff. Um, but I think what people miss is the process of the process that leads to that. And it's about doing the next best thing, the next best right thing, the next thing that makes you happy, the next thing that you think will work in that moment. Um, and sometimes like that's just that's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Just take it slow. Man, I love that. Time. That's that's a, yeah. that's excellent advice. Um so, man, I, I really appreciate your time and you talking with me today. That, that I really enjoyed this conversation. And um, 
uh, again, I, everyone out there, you should be listening to the wildlife and, and supporting the wildlife and uh, just being a part of their mission. So uh, where do we find you? Plug all your stuff. Yeah. Um, so our website is the wildlife.blog, which is about to see a lot of different updates, especially related to the uh, nonprofit stuff. Um, we have a, uh, a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the wildlife. We have a, a PayPal too. It's paypal.me slash the wildlife for one-time donations to, to help you know, build up some of these programs that we're trying to get off the ground. Um, as far as the podcast goes, as far as my understanding is, is that we are wherever podcasts can be found, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and if you are listening and you're looking on your platform and you don't see us, you know, let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Cause, important. Cause I'll get sure. us there. Cause that's important. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, again, thanks so much for talking with me, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to everyone hearing this uh, sometime pretty soon. Yeah, yeah um, thank you. Thank you so much. And to everyone out there, thanks for listening. As always, keep being cool, and we will talk to you next time. Y'all, my encouragement for you today is to live your life in such a way that you create access for people and not limit it, that the way that you carry yourselves and the way that you... Uh, do everything in your day-to-day makes people's lives better and makes people's ability to access science and nature and just all the things that bring the flavor and joy that we have in our lives make those things better live your life in a way that makes other people's lives better thanks so much Devin, for coming on the show Um, i really thoroughly enjoyed talking with him it was great Uh, We may try to have him back on sometime to uh, talk more about War of the Worlds and what it's like to be a high school teacher in um, this craziness that is this year. Thanks to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science, as always, for the support and for just letting me do this craziness. I had a conversation with my department head recently, and this may get worked into my official job description. So that's kind of crazy and amazing and really cool. Um, Thanks to everyone that listens and supports the show. If you want to be a supporter of the show, go check out patreon.com slash planthropology. Just a couple of bucks get you a sticker and some other stuff and uh, really just a way to keep all of the science coming. Um, Y'all are the best. I can't wait to talk to you here in a couple of weeks. Our next episode will be on September 1st, and it will be an episode with someone about something, which is about as specific as I can get at the moment, because I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be great. I can tell you that for sure. Thank you. Y'all are cool. You're the best and you make this worth doing. Take care of yourselves, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next time.